Hey, what's up, guys? It's Pete Mundo of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for downloading parts of this week's radio show. We flip it into a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And if you haven't yet, do me a big favor if you could. This podcast has just totally taken off, and it's because of you. Your ratings and your reviews are so appreciated. If you could... Leave us one, send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I'll get you a Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. I'll do it, I promise. And we're brought to you by betnow.eu. Use the promo code Heartland for a 100% sign up bonus. We're using those guys for our bets. I hope you do as well. Enjoy the show, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Well, the Big 12 continues to be the haves, and let's be honest, just some of the have-nots. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks for joining us. Part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, where your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We have several radio stations carrying this show. We throw it in the podcast form as well on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play if you missed the radio portion of it. So thanks so much for being a part of the show. We appreciate that. And let's get right into what was another busy week for the Big 12 Conference. It was a good one. And, you know, before the season started, I thought to myself, the Big 12 teams one through nine is really deep, right? I think everybody but Kansas could potentially beat anybody else on a given day. And I know we're only a couple of conference games in and and whatnot, but it's starting to separate to the point where the Big 12 comes down to three, maybe four teams at this point is how I look at it. I'm looking at the Big 12 just across the board, and I'm saying, okay, the Oklahoma Sooners are at the top, right? They are at the top of our power rankings this week on the website. You can go read them there. We had West Virginia last week. We bumped them down a spot. There was some debate amongst the staff on how to do that, but we ended up going with Oklahoma in the top spot. They waxed Baylor by 33 points one week after having to beat Army in overtime. But after that, you go West Virginia. Then you look at Texas, and Texas, of course, has a huge game this weekend against Oklahoma. We'll get into that in the Red River rivalry coming up later on in the show. But after that, you know, Oklahoma State, I still think, is a flawed team. It's a banged-up team. There are a lot of concerns and question marks there. You go to TCU. TCU is not the team that it was a year ago. It's just not. The defense is still really good. It's still really quick. But I have questions on the offensive side of the ball. I have questions about Sean Robinson. I do. The turnovers are starting to bother me. All the interceptions of his are coming in the second half. Some careless mistakes, throwing in the triple coverage. I, I, I'm just been, I've been worried over the last couple of weeks about Sean Robinson. Yes, they played great competition in teams like Ohio State and Texas on the road and then Iowa State. But still, those are good defenses, but still, you got to look better and you got to make smarter decisions than what Sean Robinson has made over the past couple of weeks. And then from there on down, you want to make the argument of Texas Tech? I, I just can't do it. I, I can't. I know they came back against West Virginia, but I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. I think Jet Duffy, once people have some tape on him, and once you're prepared for Jet Duffy, I don't think that's a guy that people are going to be losing sleep over. You know, Todd Orlando or Mike Stoops, they're not losing sleep. Tony Gibson, not losing sleep over a guy like Jet Duffy. I don't believe they are, and I don't believe that's going to be the case. So that's how I'm looking at this. That's how I'm analyzing it. And I'm saying, okay, the Big 12, you've got OU, you got West Virginia, and you got Texas. And I'm not even convinced after Texas's second half how good they are. 
I, I don't know. The offense scored 10 points last week against Kansas State, who is not a very good football team right now and has not stopped anybody all year, but suddenly they stopped Texas for 10 points. So I think the Texas defense is really good, and I think anytime you're playing in a rivalry game like this weekend, yeah, anything can happen. The old cliche, no doubt about it. But I'm struggling to find, outside of West Virginia and Oklahoma, who is seriously going to compete at the top of this Big 12 conference. And I hate to say that two games in. I don't want to say that two games in. I thought this year would be very topsy-turvy for the Big 12, and I still believe Iowa State can make some noise. I think the Cyclones can go out there and and pick off a win. I think they can win this weekend. You know, the easiest bet on the board last week in the Big 12 was Iowa State plus 10 against TCU. First off, Amon G. Carter was not full from what I understand. It's not an overly difficult place to play, so the home field advantage is lessened. And Iowa State's got arguably the best defense of the Big 12 Conference. You knew it was going to be low scoring, and it was. So I thought that was the easiest pick on the board with Iowa State plus 10.5 points, and I still believe Iowa State's going to be heard from. they got to figure out what's going on offensively, and Zeb Noland is somebody who we are going to be joined by later on in the show, the quarterback for the Cyclones, who has been hit or miss at times. So we'll try to get some answers from him on what's going on there and how this team is trying to improve, specifically offensively. But Kansas State's not going to make any noise. K-State's playing Baylor this weekend. The loser of this game might finish ninth in the Big 12 Conference. In fact, they'd be favored to finish ninth in the Big 12 Conference. Baylor's good offensively, but they can't stop a nosebleed. They cannot stop, can't stop anybody, the Baylor Bears. They just can't. I saw this week one against Abilene Christian. I said, geez, they're struggling now with some things on defense. Wait till the Sooners get a piece of this defense in a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, this is kind of what it is right now. It's kind of what you come to expect. And then Oklahoma State. I've not touched on the Cowboys, but this is not last year's Oklahoma State team. It's just not. And Cowboys fans are getting annoyed that I've said Taylor Cornelius is somebody who's good and serviceable, but is not Mason Rudolph. I don't know why that's controversial. I don't know why that bothers Oklahoma State fans to say that Taylor Cornelius is not Mason Rudolph when he throws the deep ball. There were several passes underthrown last week. Doesn't mean he's not bad. Doesn't mean, or doesn't mean he is bad. Doesn't mean he can't win you eight games and get you to a cactus bowl. But He's not somebody that you're going to go into Bedlam or go into a big-time game against a top-15 team and say, I'm confident Taylor Cornelius can give me a win. You're just not going to do it. Now, thank goodness Mike Yurcich remembered he had Justice Hill in the backfield last week, and he rushed him 31 times for 190 yards against Kansas. Good job, Mike Yurcich. Going to have to see more of that. I know the wide receivers are fantastic for the Cowboys, but Justice Hill might be the best offensive weapon in the Big 12 Conference. I believe he's the best running back in the Big 12 Conference. And I know before the season, Mike Gundy said, I want to keep him to around 15 carries a game. Well, Coach, if you want to win more than six games, I think that's a pretty bad idea. You got to let this offense operate around Justice Hill. Now, he doesn't need 31 carries a game, but if he's getting 20 to maybe 25, it's not going to kill you. And I think Oklahoma State is much better off if they do that, especially they got the injuries now. Darian Daniels on the defensive side of the ball, a couple other guys. So Oklahoma State's in for a tight one this weekend against Iowa State. We'll get to that more as the show progresses. West Virginia is still perplexing to me 
you know, I think that NC State game that got canceled would have been a great telltale sign as to what exactly this team is, how good it is, if it not just can compete at the top of the Big 12, but cross your fingers, Mountaineers fans, maybe make a run at a college football playoff type of situation. They haven't put together that complete game yet. And we had Derek Duke, one of our own guys. He was out there in Lubbock last Saturday for the game, and he was covering it. And, you know, 28-7 after the first quarter, and you're saying to yourself, geez, I, I think he drove from San Antonio. I drove out six hours here to see a blowout. You know, and that's that's not actually what ended up happening. But something about the Mountaineers, they haven't had that complete game yet where you say to yourself, when this team totally puts it together, they are the real deal. Now, you want to say K-State was a complete game? Okay, it was it was good. It was. But, you know, Wilger threw a couple of picks in that game. They slowed down as the game went on. Now, they also didn't need to continue to, you know, crush Kansas State. But there were parts of that game where they seemed to take their foot off the pedal a little bit. I mean, heck, they got off to a slow start, let's be fair. You know, they were up 7 nothing after the first quarter. Bill Snyder goes for it at midfield on fourth and inches, stupidly. And that really got the ball rolling for West Virginia in that game. So they haven't put together that complete game that just blows you away yet. They haven't. Even Tennessee, they were up by three points at halftime before pulling away in the third quarter. So I'd like to see West Virginia do that. And I am disappointed that Hurricane Florence just blew up that NC State game because that would have been a great telltale sign for what this Mountaineers team is going to be because now they have Kansas next week, which is going to tell us nothing because anybody who plays Kansas, it just it doesn't tell you anything about where your team is and if it's improved. It just doesn't. It's sad. At Iowa State next week will be a very good test before the bye week. And one of my Big 12 predictions before the season, West Virginia will be 7-0 and heading into the bye week. Now, they are two wins away from 6-0. and Can't get to 7-0 and because of the cancellation of the NC State game. But the wide receivers from uh, Sims, who no one talks about, to obviously Sills, to Simmons, to Jennings. I mean, it's, it's a darn good list. It's so impressive. And it's so funny. Last week, I had Texas Tech fans yelling at me and debating that Texas Tech has a better group of wide receivers than West Virginia. I'm sorry, you don't. Now, what Texas Tech's got great wide receivers, but they're not better than West Virginia's. I'm sorry, they're just not. They aren't. And I hope for Cliff Kingsbury's sake, this injury to Bowman does not derail this season. And I'm afraid that it might. Because I don't think Jet Duffy's very good. I just, I don't believe it. And I'm concerned that people are going to pick up on what he does very quickly through a couple of really bad interceptions in that loss last week. And I'm concerned about whether or not tech season just kind of unravels from here. I, I hope it does, and I don't, but I have my questions. I really do. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, our Big 12 independent digital media outlet. Go check it out. And coming up, Mike Gundy gets pranked on the Big 12 teleconference. We'll get to that and much more right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So something happened in the Big 12 media teleconference on Monday that I have to share with you. It was hilarious, 
and I loved every second of it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. It's by uh, independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We're on multiple radio stations across the country and the region, and also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We appreciate you joining us. So every Monday at 11 Eastern, 10 Central, the Big 12 coaches do a teleconference where media members can speak to them and can ask them questions, and anybody can listen in. So part of how this works is each coach goes for 10 minutes, and media members call in. If you want to ask a question, you press a button, you press a number, you go through, and you ask a question. And there's a moderator with the Big 12 that handles this. So on Monday, when Mike Gundy's speaking to the press, and I listen to this press conference uh, basically whenever I can, which is most Mondays, Mike Gundy gets asked about what happened last week. You remember last week was a bad week for Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State. He gets blown out by Texas Tech. Then you find out Jalen McCleskey, one of his best wide receivers, is going to transfer basically because he doesn't feel like he's getting the ball enough. And on top of that, later on in the week, Gundy and his minions tell the media that when they interview players, I believe this was on Wednesday, that they cannot ask the players about Jalen McCleskey transferring. And it made no sense because all he had to do was tell his own players, hey guys, don't go out there and don't comment about Jalen. Just say, I have no comment. I wish Jalen well. That's all I have to say about the topic. And it would go away. So instead of telling his players how to handle it, basically he goes out there and tries to big time and threaten the media. I thought it was despicable and, and frankly disgraceful. And very petty of Mike Gundy. And even more petty of some of the minions that he's got there in Stillwater. Guys like Gavin Lang, who, you know, without Mike Gundy, that guy's a nobody. But these SIDs, some of them, they go on these little mini power trips. Like they think they're all in big shots and in charge of something. It's like, easy, buddy. Easy, pal. You have proof credentials. And I love SIDs. Every one of them. I deal with them all the time. But... It's just like guys in media that think they're more important than they are. It's like, relax, relax. Yes, we're all just trying to do our jobs. But your time and your space is no more valuable than mine or anybody else's. That's the truth. That's the reality. So Mike Gundy essentially got pranked at this Big 12 media teleconference earlier this week. And here's what it sounded like. Here's a little snippet of it. This question is from Rich Mitchum, CFB Daily. Uh, hey, Coach. Uh, great win on Saturday in Lawrence. Really impressive performance offensively, and I think uh, even more specifically through the air. Especially impressive considering you, you did it all without Jalen McCleskey. Can you give a quick update on his status moving forward? Uh, Jalen McCleskey is transferring. I thought everybody knew that. Your next question is from Trey Anastasio, Stillwater Tribune. Hey, Mike, good morning to you, man. Morning. I know it's been kind of a frustrating seven days or so, which I don't really think is right because y'all played a heck of a game on Saturday. Seems like a lot of these reporters don't have any respect for your unwarranted petulance, and I, for one, can't believe they'd have the nerve to do their jobs and not kowtow to your empty threat. I guess what I'm really saying is it's 2018. Do we really even need freedom of press anymore? I'm not sure what you're asking. Um, I, uh, I, I'm not sure what you're asking. 
Well, Mike Gundy, let me clue you in on something. Those guys were not asking you anything. They were punking you. They were trolling you. Just like you trolled the media last week, these guys got on there and gave you a little bit of your own medicine. It was pretty funny. I was laughing as I was listening to this, and and I was getting a kick out of it. I was. And people, you know, the, the defense of this has been, well, you media people, you know, you all think you're all way too important, and Mike Gundy can run his program how he wants. Sure he can. He absolutely can. But guess what else you can do? You can be critical of how he runs his program. And this is not about, you know, the media versus Mike Gundy. It's about a coach in power, in a special place of power, which let's be honest, these college football coaches on these campuses have, in many instances, way too much power. It's been that way for decades. It hasn't changed. We all know that. We're all aware of the realities of the situation on these campuses, okay? Oftentimes, a college football coach is the most powerful person on campus above the athletic director, above the president, above all these people, depending on the university. We get that. We understand that. But when you handle a situation as poorly as Mike Gundy handled that situation last week, when he could have easily told his players, hey, just say no comment on Jalen, which, by the way, would have helped his players, taught his players how to deal with media, which, let's be honest, what were there, six people there? A couple of guys from the Oklahoman, gals from the Oklahoman, uh, our friends at Pistols Firing Blog, and maybe the Tulsa World had a guy or two there. this is teaching these guys how to handle things when maybe you get to the NFL one day and you got 20 media guys surrounding you. It's a great lesson. And that's the way you handle this. It's not that the media, I don't believe, cared about getting information about Jalen McCleskey. They all knew that they probably weren't going to get many details, but they had to ask. And I believe they had a right to ask. But not according to Mike Gundy. And then he's got the balls after the game on Saturday to say, oh, you guys know those were just empty threats. I couldn't have actually revoked any credentials. Oh, come on, Mike. Spare me, would you please? Just spare me. Don't get too big for Stillwater, Mike. Don't, don't do it to yourself. And this is the kind of stuff where Mike Gundy ever tried to take his act to a place like Knoxville or something, and you're not the hometown hero, you're not the hometown boy. Oh, they chew you up and spit you right out. It's a good thing he never took one of those 18 jobs he's uh, threatened to take over the last couple of years. He'd get eaten alive. He would. Well, also, um, uh, Bill Snyder, after the game on Saturday last week, he came out and he said, you know, Alex Dalton and Skylar Thompson played about the same. You know, I don't regret not playing Skylar Thompson earlier than, you know, second half. Even though we scored 14 points in the second half, we scored zero in the first half. I don't regret it. And it's just like, Bill, what are you doing? What, what is Bill Snyder thinking with some of these comments he's making? God bless the man. He has done amazing things for this university. But that comes across simply stubborn, simply unbelievable in many ways. I mean, who's buying that? How can you watch that game on Saturday and say that, Skylar Thompson did not do a better job playing the quarterback position than did Alex Delton. You cannot watch that game. I don't care if you have one eye or you got 2,400 vision. It doesn't matter. You can't watch that game and tell me that those two guys played evenly. And now apparently both quarterbacks are going to be off limits for the rest of the season is what I'm hearing, or there's rumors of that, that neither guy is going to be able to talk to the media here moving forward. That's not a good look. It's not. I Kansas State 
for the first time in several years just feels like it's a mess. And find me how this team's going to win more than four games this year. I mean, find that. I have a hard time figuring that out for this Kansas State team looking at the schedule this season. I just don't see where those wins are, how they're going to happen. The defense looked better last week. The offense is still a hot mess. Sheesh. It's, it's, it's dangerous territory right now for Kansas State, not just this year, but as a program. It, it really is. Well, coming up next, we will dive into the uh, week. What are we in now? Are we in week six already? Gosh, dang, we are. All right, let's get to our week six preview. It's all coming up right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, let's now dive into what is going to be an exciting weekend of games in the Big 12 Conference. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, the radio show. We bring it to you each and every week, same time, same place, across multiple Big 12 states. Also, podcast version, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. All right, so there is a obviously major premier game this weekend, first time since 2012 that Oklahoma and Texas both find themselves ranked as they get ready for the Red River rivalry. Try saying that one 10 times in a row. You can't do it. Red Red River rivalry, Red River Yeah, I can't do it, all right? I can't do it. Anyway, this game is going to be fantastic. You look at this game and you say to yourself, all right, you got OU with the high flying offense. Kyler Murray replacing Baker Mayfield. A couple of stud wide receivers in CeeDee Lamb and Marquise Brown. And then you have a defense that seems to be steadily improving, although the past couple of weeks might tell you a different story. Then you have Texas. You know, you have a Texas team that is finally playing the kind of defense that we thought it was going to be playing when it played Maryland in week one. That's finally coming on strong. And then an offense that is steadily improving. I think the offensive line has looked better by the week. I think that, you know, Sam Ellinger, as a result, has improved. And also the wide receivers, Colin Johnson, and also throwing a guy to the mix like uh, little Jordan Humphrey. And you got a couple of stud wide receivers there. Now, Oklahoma, I still believe, is the better team in this game. And Texas has played it close the past couple of years. And then it won the game in 2015. It's a rivalry matchup at the same time. I think Oklahoma hangs on to this game by a tight margin, a tight margin. I like OU final of something along the lines of, I want to say 35 to like 31, 35, 28, something like that. I will be jumping on Texas plus seven and a half. I'm going to get in on that number while I can because I just think that Texas has kept it so close the past couple of years. They've covered each of those past couple of years. They won three years ago in 2015. It's a rivalry matchup. And OU actually has played lesser competition than has Texas so far. OU, I was looking at this. Their combined record of teams they played is like four or five games under 500. Texas has played teams with a record just above 500. So Texas has played the better competition to date. OU's going up against its best defense. And if Sam Ellinger can get some time in the pocket, those wide receivers, Colin Johnson and little Jordan Humphrey, are going to have a field day against the likes of Parnell Motley, 
whichever one gets to go on one-on-one with him. It, it is going to be an absolute massacre if those guys can get the ball against Parnell Matley. So I still do believe that Kyler Murray and that offense is just going to be a little bit too much for Texas. But boy, I think Texas can hang in this game. Rivalry matchup, keep it close. Going to be a hard-fought contest. I always like, too, when you get a rivalry game, the new head coach heading into year two. I know that Lincoln Riley and Tom Herman were both head coaches last year, or both first-time head coaches last year, but it wasn't Lincoln Riley's first head-first dive into this rivalry matchup. It was for Tom Herman. I know, yeah, don't get me started on when he was a graduate assistant. I mean, as a legitimate either coordinator or a head coach, it was his first time in a game like this, Texas OU, and I think in year two, you get a better idea of what you want to do, and I do like Texas to keep it close, but OU to ultimately pull away. So we only have four games this weekend because, if you didn't know this, you have TCU and Texas Tech playing next Thursday night, so they're off this weekend. The other games you got on the schedule, I'll go in order of interesting. Iowa State at Oklahoma State. Iowa State is going to beat somebody here at some point, and no one's going to see it coming. It could be this weekend. I think Iowa State's going to cover a big number. It's 10.5 points. It's way too high. Iowa State plays the best defense in the Big 12. I still have concerns about Oklahoma State on both sides of the ball. I, I just do. I think that Iowa State, you look at who Iowa State has played, And they've already played the two teams that found themselves in the Big 12 championship game last year in none other than TCU and Oklahoma. They've gotten those two games out of the way. Yes, they did not look great at times, but I don't think this Oklahoma State team is the team of a year ago. You still have a lot of weird off-field situations happening there and injuries as well going on. So I think Iowa State can go into Stillwater and win that game. I certainly think they keep it close if they end up losing. And ultimately, I'm going to pick the Cowboys, but I'm thinking this is going to be one of those 31-28 to type of field goal games. I think it's going to be close. I do believe the Cowboys will win. The home field will ultimately play a factor. And, you know, I could see Zeb Nolan with a big turnover late in the game. But I just – and I hate to say that. I just had the guy on the show. But to be fair, I think that ultimately it's going to be a tough road atmosphere – And at some point, that's going to play a factor in this one, and it's going to tilt this contest in favor of the Cowboys at home. And Iowa State, unfortunately, will fall to uh, 1-4. You hate to see that for a team that a lot of people thought was going to be competing for a Big 12 title potentially as this season went on. And it just hasn't had that same feel yet for Matt Campbell and company. But got to get the offense going. This is the week to do it. Now, in terms of interest, the next most interesting game is Kansas State and Baylor. Whoever loses this game will likely finish ninth in the Big 12 ahead of just Kansas. It's kind of a battle for second worst in the Big 12 conference right now. I hate to put it that bluntly, but I really believe it is. Um, I just, these teams, they're both, Baylor's improved, but still got its problems. Kansas State's a total disaster right now. Uh, I know the second half last week might give K-State fans some reason for optimism. I just still don't like the mojo that that program has around itself at this moment. That can change when you go on the road and win a solid solid conference game. But I would be surprised if K-State's able to do it because this Baylor team can put up points on you. It can. And I know K-State's defense played well against Texas last week, but the amount of weapons that Baylor has, as much as Texas has high-end weapons and guys like Johnson Humphrey, 
Baylor has a plethora of really good weapons. When you go down the list of Mims and Platt and Hurd, and you can go on and on hasty from there, uh, it's a deep stable of talent at that skill position. So that, that bodes well for Baylor. And here's the other thing. Baylor's pass defense efficiency is the worst in the Big 12 conference right now. Problem is, Kansas State can't throw the ball to save its life. So Kansas State cannot take advantage of Baylor's great weakness right now. And that's a problem. I mean, Kansas State does not have the horses at wide receiver. Isaiah Zuber, I've said it before, I hate to say it again, but on a good team, that guy's a number three wide receiver. He's not close. He does not sniff a number one wide receiver. He just doesn't do it. Um, so that's a major problem for K-State if they want to pull off a win in this game. And also, you look at the rushing defense. Baylor struggled there. They're second worst in the Big 12 right now. But K-State on the other side of the ball is the second worst team at uh, in rushing offense. So they can't even take advantage of that either. So give me Baylor 35, K-State 24 in that game. Last one I don't have to spend a lot of time on. West Virginia is going to blow out Kansas. It's going to get ugly. The wide receivers are going to go off. And I think the final score there is going to be something along the lines of 45-17. to 17. Mountaineers stomp on the Jayhawks and keep that good mojo going as they improve to 5-0 and and sit in the top 10 of the rankings, which is well-deserved. You'd love to see that complete game. Hopefully we'll get it. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right.